out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy, but you're still the Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Owner Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films that you will never discuss in a film studies course. And we have done this two hundred times today. That's uh, really weird. That is, it, it's a thing. Uh, so this is episode number two hundred of the Good Trash Genre Cast, the flagship show of the Good Trash Media Network. And I want to say this uh, at the inception of this thing that we were doing. Uh, we were always talking about how we were going to do films that you won't do in a film studies course that are not going to make their way into a syllabus. Now, we very quickly sort of uh, began to abandon that. Uh, not very quickly. Within a year, eight months. It, I didn't, it didn't take long. Yeah, when we started having host picks where we could do something a little bit more We artsy, started to cheat more and more. And we, ha- we started having anti-trash marathons. But that being said, there was a single film that we always talked about. If you listen to those early episodes, not that I'm recommending you do that. Uh, uh, please, please don't. <laughs> uh, I, I guess for frame of reference, we started doing this show um, in the fall of 2012. And um, a, a, a rather popular film had come out just that year prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little movie that we couldn't stop talking about. That's right, and that movie is uh, Drive, uh, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, starring The Gauze. And uh, we always talked about how this movie is too good for us. Um, and uh, this is the d- this is the time where we're finally, 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 the prom queen said yes to the date, and uh, we're going to get a chance uh, to take a, a look at Drive together. Now, we do need to do what we always do, though. Uh, we need to identify these disembodied voices speaking to you in case this is the first time uh, you're listening. You may not know who we all are automatically. So, uh, to my right, sir, who are you? Welcome to episode 200. I'm Caleb Masters. And, Dustin, you know the story of the uh, scorpion and the frog? Your your buddy Arthur, he he didn't make it across the river. Oh, man, that's too bad to hear. Moment of silence. Okay, more identification. Uh, The lovely lady of the Good Trash Media Network, please identify yourself. My name's Alexander Bohannon, and hey, you want a toothpick? (laughs) Very, very good. Uh, To my listener, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and that is one fine-ass motherfucking pussy-mobile motherfucker. Mm. And uh, as as Ron Perlman once said, it's a silly line. It is a silly line. It's a silly line, but but it's fun. You all demanded that I say it, so I I just was going to introduce myself by staring at you quietly and not talking. It doesn't, doesn't make for great radio. No, it, it certainly doesn't. doesn't. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, not not a radio movie um, at all. Not one of those you can uh, like you know, easily turn into a radio drama. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is not Pontypool. Okay, this is not that. No, uh, my name is Dustin Sells, and it's okay. My hands are dirty too, and I'm glad to be here with you all talking about the film Drive. Now, to warn you, dear listener, in case this is the first time you've listened, we've figured out a format for how we do this show over the course of 200 episodes. And that format is this. Uh, What we do is uh, we avoid spoilers uh, during our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down review. We get into a game that we play always. And in that game, there could be mild spoilers of the film in question and other films that might be discussed. But we, again, generally try to keep those very, very mild. Once we get down to business and start breaking out with our analysis, that's when the spoilers are 
all over the show. And so if for some reason you have not yet seen Drive, I no, you've seen Drive. You're listening to this show and you're into movies, you've probably seen Drive. But if for some reason you have not and do not wish to be spoiled, uh, check the movie out first. Yeah, it's probably good advice uh, for that because I do believe this movie's experience is worthwhile um, cold. So let's begin. Uh, let's start off, though, with a quick synopsis from the voice of the Dalton Theater, uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart, if you would, sir. A mysterious Hollywood stuntman and mechanic moonlights as a getaway driver and finds himself in trouble when he helps out... His neighbor. The synopsis is probably longer than all the lines Ryan Gosling has in this entire film. Um, I don't think he speaks more than I, I. I think his one monologue he get he gives about how he operates. I think is the only time he says like more than th- four words yeah. at once. I think that's uh, entirely safe to say. So okay, let's hear those quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what have you to say, ma'am? Well, there's a reason we saved it for episode 200, kids. This is a great movie. Uh, we're all fans of the Winding Reffin at the Good Trash Media Network. Um, he has produced some of the most um, experiential pieces of cinema that you will experience. <laughs> I mean, that's part of what I just said. A- and I would say that Drive does not disappoint I haven't seen much else of his oeuvre besides the Neon Demon and, of course, this film. Anyway, so that's that's saying something, and this movie doesn't disappoint for what it, you have in store. I don't know, guys. I don't really feel like I have a lot to say to about it besides the fact I'm just going to be like the driver and say that I like it. That's good. I like that very much. Thank you, Miss Alexander Bohannon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say in terms of your thumbs up, thumbs down review? Yeah, it's a fucking great movie. Um, I, I think it is, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot on this film about uh, really accessible ways to get into art house cinema. Uh, and I think th- this is, if you are trying to broaden your horizons, I, I think Drive is a really great way to kind of dip your toe uh, into more unconventional film because this film is still exceptionally conventional mm-hmm. yeah uh, but uh, in terms of the way things are paced the way things are structured it, it does kind of uh, share a lot and you can see I mean again as, as Refn has continued to make English language films they have um, gotten weirder and weirder uh, I think if you track Bronson through to Neon Demon they do get uh, weirder um, but I think Refn in particular Refn generally, but this film in particular, is a really great place to kind of check the waters out and see if you might be into, you know, art films. Um, Because this movie's fucking awesome. Uh, It's really cool and fun to watch. Um, By the fourth or fifth time you've watched it, it gets really silly. Um, But I I think the first two times are, you know, Ryan Gosling's walking around, looking cool, saying cool stuff, doing cool stuff. Carrie Mulligan looks great. Oscar Isaacs gives a hell of a performance uh, before mm-hmm. we knew who he was. Got a lot of heavy hitters and the old guard of character actors in there rounding out the supporting cast. I mean, it, it, the cast y- alone, you look at that and you're like, holy shit, why am I not watching this movie right now? So I- if it's not a film you've taken the time to catch up with, I strongly recommend it. Um, yeah, I, what more do you want? 
No, no, I want that. That you gave me exactly yeah, what I, I want. Fucking do as, the thing. as you always do. Do the thing. Yeah. Well done. Thank you for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Caleb Masters. What do you have to say about this movie? Yeah. Well, I want to just. I, I really, really want to to second what Dalton was talking about about this being a great movie to be like a launch pad into something that's uh, into un- more unconventional films. Because I remember, I think I saw this. That it, yeah, I saw it upon theatrical release, and it was definitely a time when I was really. Really gung ho about trying to get into some, you know, uh, some international stuff, some unconventional films, uh, more art house style things, and I really think this is the beautiful, beautiful. This is the product of the beautiful, beautiful thing that happens when commercial filmmaking and art house cinema collide. Like you just get, you get those really awesome flourishes. You get like a really creative vision, but it's still something that I would, I could show to my friends, and they would still be into it. Like a lot of my friends who I saw it with, who were not really into films, they they love this movie. Um, it's it, 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 Ryan Gosling is great, like you said. All the performances are top notch. I, I mean, I have to give a shout out to my other favorite part about this film: car chases. I don't really like car chases in movies usually because they're kind of ridiculous and they're not well shot and they're a mess. This movie has what I I think is is one of the greatest car chases in the last like ten years of filmmaking easily. It, it, it's really calling back to a different era of how we how we oh we're we're, like we're going to talk more about car chases throughout the show. Rest assured. Oh good, I, good. I've got you covered. Oh boy. So yes, uh, just to say that to say that I think that the, the everything about this movie is wonderful. The the retro eighties aesthetic, the sound, the, the soundtrack is everything. I, I love this movie. So yeah, there you have my recommends. There you go. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. I would also echo the things that have been said so far. I really really adore this this film uh, because it is an absolute elevation of a genre pick. It, it's it's a big, dove, loud 80s action car movie that has been done by Dario Argento. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's this movie that is taking a, a different sort of aesthetic. It, it, it's not approaching narrative in the same way a classical Hollywood film would. It's not approaching lighting and those kind of things. It's very moody in its cinematography and its use of color and lighting and it's very coded in this sort of way. And it, it, It's a movie that sort of foregrounds its sort of intellectualism alongside this sort of big, dumb, loud genre of film that we ordinarily know. And so it, it's an elevation piece uh, in this way. And I'll talk more about these sort of styles and types of movies and markets uh, and whatnot when we get down into analysis. But uh, that being said, performances are amazing and really, really interesting. Um, Ryan Gosling uh, channeling Steve McQueen is fantastic. Uh, I love Albert Brooks being evil, uh, Brian Cranston being incompetent. All of these things are not what we know them for, and they're doing it all oh so well. Um, again, just love for the soundtrack uh, because I existed during this particular decade that is being homaged, and it makes all my nostalgia uh, and love just sort of increase uh, exponentially uh, upon watching it. So there you go, dear listener. You know our biases. They are way pro. If you uh, hate this movie, we'd love to hear about it via those magical means of social media that we'll be talking about in just a little bit. In fact, let's talk about them now. What means of social media by which this conversation could be held? Can we be found on the internet, Miss Alexander Bohannon? Sure thing, Dustin. You can find the Good Trash Media Network at facebook.com forward slash good trash media. You can find us on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash good trash media. You can find us on our parent website, goodtrashmedia.com. And you can also find us at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash GTM. There remains yet one means by which this conversation could be held, Dalton. What is it? Uh, well, Dustin, uh, you can find, I don't know why I did that. That was strange. Uh, you can find the Good Trash Media Network on Twitter as well. Uh, we're there 
uh, on Twitter at good underscore trash. Well, guys, um, I really have looked at the clock, and I don't know if it's quite time, but I'm going to say it's time anyway because we've got to move on. It's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. That's right, dear listener. In this week's game, as it is episode 200, as we look forward into the future, we are going to uh, declare three films we'd like to see as we make our way to 300. That's right, and films we want to talk about before we reach episode 300, brought to you by Drive. Drive. We probably aren't going to make it to any of these movies before episode 300. Look at how long it took us to make it to Drive. <laughs> That's accurate. Not, we not, do whatever we want. wrong. We do whatever we want whenever we want. Yeah, it's fair enough. It's absolutely accurate. And we do what we want, and we're going to suggest some things that perhaps we would end up wanting to do. Who knows? I'm excited to hear the wisdom around this table uh, about these selections. I'm going to go to you first, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What are your three picks? You're doing that because I've been here since the beginning. Yeah. I take it. Um, well, um, so I tried to think about some things that are one film that I talk about all the time, a film that I never talk about, uh, and then a film that I can guarantee you we're going to do because it's going to be my next one of my next host picks. Okay. Uh, so the film that I talk about all the time is the Anton Fuqua film, uh, Training Day, which, believe it or not, inevitable, we have not done. No, we have As often as we talk about Training Day, we have not done it, and I I think it's time. It's been a while since we've done a cop movie. It's been a while since we've done a gangsters movie. Have we done it's been about a year. I mean, we did Departed. Yeah, last it's it's year. it's been a minute. And have we even done an Anton Fuqua film? No, we have not done any Anton Fuqua films. Yeah. Which I think he's he makes a lot of uh, crowd pleasing action films that also have more going on under the surface. So I, I think it, you see the start of one of the most successful uh, action directors working right now and one of the most successful action writers who would then transition into acting, uh, action directing. So, uh, And it's, you know, Denzel got his Oscar for it, and Ethan Hawke gives an, a hell of a performance in it as well. Um, Scott Glenn shows up. It's great. It's a fantastic film. We need to talk about it at some point. Next, a film that I don't think I've ever mentioned on the show, but a movie I really like a lot. Uh, I was thinking about films kind of like, films similar to Drive. Um, and I came up with L.A. Confidential, uh, yeah. the Curtis Hansen film. Yeah, which also has a great cast. Uh, Russell Crowe, uh, Kevin Spacey, Guy Pierce. Um, similar to Drive in that it is kind of uh, very visually engaging as a film. Um, kind of narratively sl- slow-ish, but also has like these ridiculous, <laughs> these fucking ridiculous action movie shootouts in it. Which are just hilarious to me. But again, I like cop movies, so there's another cop movie for you. Um, we will almost certainly do L.A. Confidential someday. And finally, uh, one of my very, very favorite films. Uh, I wanted to pick a film that's uh, a little different than uh, you know the, the typical action movie fare that I, I tend to gravitate towards. Uh, it's one of my very favorite films, and I think I might have mentioned it once or twice on the show. But it's the Stephen Frears film, uh, High Fidelity, starring John Cusack. I think it's one of the best movies about relationships, uh, or at least one of the best American films about relationships. Yes, I know I picked nothing but American movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. That's when I started getting into film. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Those are films I gravitate towards. There were other films that were not made in America uh, that made the list, uh, but those are the ones that I'm the most passionate about, uh, about doing before we get to 300. Excellent. I like those picks very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Okay, now moving on in chronological order as you've arrived upon the show again. Arthur is out because Arthur um, cannot speak, therefore it makes it hard for him to do radio. Uh, Mr. Caleb Masters. 
What are your three picks? Okay, well, um, I have a, a lot of films, and we have th- you guys have done a lot of awesome stuff. You guys have uh, kind of done some highbrow stuff, a lot of good stuff. Um, but you're gonna hear me saying some stuff that's going to be kind of in line with what Dalton was talking about, like films that came out about the time that I was really getting the film. So, um, you know, I've been on a real romance kick, and I was looking through the the, the back catalog, and you know, I don't think we've done a sin- single uh, Linkletter film yet. Oh shit! We haven't done a single one. Uh, he's done a lot of good stuff too, and 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 to be fair, his Ooh, films yeah. aren't exactly they're 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 not not flashy, but there's a lot of analysis based on the the writing. Well, and as Dustin mentioned, despite the fact we frequently find reasons to do movies you wouldn't you would discuss in a film studies course, we generally try not to. Right. And I would say that probably all of Richard Linklater's films are films you would discuss in a film studies um, course, or have some reason. Some of to. them would be, especially yeah, if you sure. were talking about you know Generation X American cinema. Right, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, God, what a, what a filmmaker. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I could go on all day about all the films to pick. A boyhood would be a very close second. But I and I, I think there's actually some really media analysis for Boyhood. But uh, the one I, I really want to hit on is Before Sunset. That's the se- that's the second film in, in the uh, I, Before I, Trilogy. I think I like Sunset the best. I do, too. It, it's, I well, go back and forth. I do, too. It's, well, I'm, I'm a young 20-something, so obviously I'm preconditioned. You know, pre- it's almost like I'm preconditioned to like Before Sunrise the best. But Before yeah. Sunset, I think... Uh, for me, that has that's the one that's the most melancholy and honest um, and, that I can still relate to. Because mm-hmm. then the third one, by the time we get the third one, they're in a stage of life that I find interesting and, and also very beautiful. But it's something that I don't directly connect with as much. Yeah. Um, but and walk around Paris, walk around Paris. Yeah. And the ending to that movie is like the best ending to any romance story I've ever seen ever. It's a it's sexy like, fucking it's, ending. It's great. It's that's like you know, so you, you know, you're, you're gonna miss your plane. He's like, I know. Yeah, that's so know. good. That's so good. Um, secondly, I'm going to continue to break the rule and spe- go really hard and break the rule and say during an anti-trash marathon at some point in the next 100 episodes, it would be great if we could talk about any of the Godfathers, probably the Godfather Part 2, because that's the one uh, that I think everyone r- really loves. Quickly, I'm just going to mention The Empire Strikes Back because that's fun and, and we should all talk about that. But the reason I want to rush to that is because I, I, I have something I want to say, Dustin. I demand a recount. I want to argue with you about Equilibrium and the faculty, okay? Because those movies are fun and they're good. Uh, no, you're, he's he's buddy. I I fucking I, I, those are those episodes were the first two episodes where Arthur looked at me afterwards and said, "You've got to stop talking so much." Um, this was actually back when you were cutting the show too, Dustin. Yeah, but Arthur was like, "You got to stop, man." That is. Never going to happen, probably. Never going to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in your camp, though, Caleb. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters, and that uh, 200 episode recap tack on the end. Uh, we appreciate that as well, I suppose. Miss Alexander Bohannon, uh, what are your three selections for uh, our journey into episode 300? I think episode 300 should have movies that, well, I'm going to give myself one and then everyone else the other two so my pick for episode 300 personally would be the princess bride which i know we're going to get to eventually we'll definitely get to that before 300 i know i'm just saying it's got to be done it's got to be done right um i would then say that uh, yeah so ex machina would be a really great pick especially considering we've got some uh again some double dipping with Mm. oscar isaac's Mm. And he then, is he is jacked in that movie. Yes, he yeah, is. Yeah, he is. He's so I, I, we're done. I'm I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and then a movie that I am dying to see with everyone else here at this table is La La Land. Yeah, because that movie 
is amazing. <laughs> um, I can't, I saw it at Austin Film Festival it, in a beautiful theater. It's a fantastic experience and it deserves to be on this show because musicals are interesting. And this is really fascinating because it's a, not subversive, but it has like things to talk about in this modern day era. It's singing in the rain for millennials with cell phones and tap dancing numbers on top of a highway traffic in cars. But but just where it leaves you, it leaves you in this perfect bittersweet place that just left me unhinged. So yeah, I would love to do that that film before episode three. Hundo. Excellent, excellent. Dustin, you've been here. Uh, the longest, because it was your idea to do a podcast. Well, he's also been the here the longest on Earth, but Physically, I Physically, because he's old as fuck. Yeah. Uh, what's your picks, buddy, for before uh, the road to 300? Okay, so this is what I've been thinking. Um, uh, as as we all know, we've talked about this on the show. If you follow me on Twitter, you've seen some things about this. And if you follow me on Letterboxd, you've definitely seen this. I'm being very, very aware of uh, female filmmakers lately yeah. doing the 52 Films by Women Challenge. I'm at 41. Yeah. And so Congrats. I've got a, got, a little, got a little road to go. Yeah, you're a little backed up, but you can make you it. Yeah. You get 11 movies to watch in, what, like eight weeks? Yeah, you got it. So, I mean, I think I'm going to be able to hit it. But I was just thinking, you know, some minority voices in film is a thing that I think we need to be thinking about and uh, and whatnot. So a female film director, uh, that's that's a big deal to me. So I'm thinking Catherine Bigelow's uh, Point Break has got to be a thing. Uh, I almost said like three different Bigelow movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I almost went Zero Dark Thirty, actually, but I'm and uh, also Near Dark, which I think is her trashiest movie, but. In the best kind of way, but yeah, I, th- I think yeah. we need some of that, you know, and it's it's just an important thing. Also, uh, gay filmmaker Joel Schumacher, uh, yeah, and I'm I'm actually thinking the the uh, trashy Jim Carrey in the number, number twenty three, yes, yes. Ah! Because you it's know, it's such a dumb movie, and I love it's it. Really it's really bad, so guys. Fun. It's yeah. so dumb. It, it is fun, though. It's really great. I love it a lot. There's, yeah, there's a lot I like about it. Yeah. And, and that, oh, I'm that's so something to that. think about. Um, as far as like a Dustin pick, sort of an arty uh, kind of art house pick, I want to I want us to take a look at Charles Burnett's Killer of Sheep, which is um, yeah, it's a weird movie uh, title, and it's not uh, it's not easy to find. So it's going to be a thing that we'll have to watch all together. But it's a movie uh, if you think like Italian neo realism, like uh, Rome, Open City, uh, those De Sica films, The Bicycle Thief. Uh, and those kind of movies, but it's it's shot and looks just like that, except for it's the '60s and it's Watts right before the riots. Holy shit! And it's about that sort of life. Okay. And uh, so it's it's really really interesting, really really underseen, and I think something is just interesting. And, and that's one thing I think I feel very motivated to do uh, over the course of the next hundred episodes is to uh, get more voices from filmmakers that we don't ordinarily listen to because we hear a lot of what white dudes got to say. I'm bored of. White dudes saying shit. White I say it with a bunch of white dudes saying <laughs> shit. No, nah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, frequently, I think uh, I should just replace all of you. Um, I've been here the longest, uh, so I'm not going anywhere. And Dustin's, I mean, he's, he's guys, he's not going to be around much longer anyway. It's true. So I can't really replace yeah. him. I'm calling shenanigans. I was there when Jesus Christ. Was <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> can, can, can confirm. I have the receipts. <laughs> oh. Uh, so there you go, dear listener. Those are our selections as to what we're thinking as to uh, how we're going to program the next 100 episodes. We would love, love to hear what you lot have to say about what you think we need to make sure that we cover over the course of the next 100 episodes as we approach 300 episodes. This is going to be a major chunk of my life, uh, so uh, we want to do it well. The remaining 
minutes or whatever. What, yeah, seconds of life I have left. Yep. So there you go, dear listener. We're going to move on, though, now. I think it's got to be time to get down to business. It's business. That business in question is, as always, analysis. I am stoked to hear the words that these humans at this table are about to say. They are some of my favorite humans, and they are going to say some amazing things, and Drive is a movie that's so ready and ripe for analysis. So say the words. Caleb, do it now. Do it now! All right, so Drive is a genre-bending masterpiece. It's got elements of action movies and mob flicks, and uh, weirdly enough, I think it actually plays... Most like a Western. Uh, now, at this point, you get all our listeners, and definitely you, my friends here around the table, uh, good trash friends around the table, and also our good trash friends on the internet probably know I don't really like Westerns a whole lot. There are some great ones out there, but generally I find they're just pretty copy and paste. Even great revisionist Westerns that I've seen, I'm still kind of like, yeah, eh, they're okay. Um, You're so wrong. Uh, but you know what? I will concede. If more if more Westerns looked like Drive, I would be so into them. So Drive is a Western. Why is it a Western? Because it uses the tropes uh, of the Western to tell us an altogether new story. Uh, Westerns made a very early leap to the film uh, with the Great Train Robbery back in 1903. William S. Hart uh, became the first big star of a movie uh, Big star of a Western movie, and of course they remained popular for the next several decades. So you guys, you guys burned out on superhero movies. It took Westerns about seventy years to to, to burn out. So oh yeah, oh yeah. But I want to look specifically at the tropes that make this film film a Western. Okay, so I just want to put it this way: you've got a silent protagonist, no backstory. It's mostly silent, I should say. No backstory. Shows up in L.A. Just happens to meet a gal. They ho- they they. There's a connection there. We don't really know how intensely they hooked up, but their their connection there. Um, shit goes down. Bad guys come in. They do a lot of terrible shit. Kills the bad guys. Leaves L.A. Out. Yo, Jimbo. Uh, and this is of High course. Plains Drifter. This is the uh, the trope of the stranger. Uh, the stranger, often a man with no name, hence driver. Uh, comes into the town alone. Uh, he is a weary from travel and wishes to stay for a few days. The, str- the stranger is sometimes an antagonist, but he's usually an anti-hero who, in exchange for the promise of either money or vengeance, uh, or in this case, the protection of a uh, lovely lady, um, will rid the town of its problems before moving on to the next town. The stranger is a mystery, intentionally Just not... wandering a- the earth, man. Exactly. Like, we could get a drive too, you know. Uh, oh, pray to God, never not. But uh, drive too. Ryan Gosling... He's in New York. You know, I mean, like, that could, I, it's not going to happen. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, it would be the same type of story, right? Um, uh, the second thing, uh, ingi- ingenuity. Uh, while the stranger uh, depends on his physical skills often, physical tests don't win the final battle. Uh, both the Western antiheroes and the villains are known for their intricate plans and ability to trick their competition and the abilities to move silently, track opponents, and outwit others often trump the skills with weapons alone. Now, I don't want to say that Ryan Gosling doesn't use his fists in the climax of the film, because he definitely does. But the whole thing is part of a power play. When he takes out Nino, he jumps Nino. 
um, and is trying to outsmart Nino. And when he confronts Albert, Albert Brooks, initially it's it's part of a mind game. He's like, "Well, I can pr- I can I can guarantee your your girl protection, but not n- so much for you." There's still like this idea that he might get away. All right, so perhaps the uh, most desired ability of a Western character can uh, have is, is uh, patience. Characters that are quick to anger or act impulsively wind up dead when the patient man, uh, you know, wind up dead against the patient man. And this isn't to say that the patient man is slow. The patient man is silent in thought, evaluating every outcome, and then is quick to act. Hence, Ryan Gosling, the guy just sits there staring at things, staring creepily at things quite often. Uh, uh, until the, his moment, his moment comes. He takes the moment, kills the bad guys. Uh, now, again, this is uh, representative of the showdown of the two gunslingers who stand opposite of each other and patiently while waiting to kind of draw who's going to draw first, who's going who's going to make the first move between Ryan Gosling and, and Nino. Um, so uh, I just think this movie uh, really does play a lot more like a western than it does a mob movie. Um, although I think there's elements of that in there, and definitely, of course, like that eighty retro eighties aesthetic is there as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what do you have to say? Yeah, Masters, that was great. I really, really enjoy that. So, kind of piggybacking off of what uh, Caleb was talking about today. I'm going to examine what Drive says about the action genre because it does have some commentary upon it, which I find extremely interesting. While I'm not going to be arguing that this film is an action movie because it, it could be a Western and an action movie, what have you, doesn't really matter in terms of what I have to say. But I will have to say the fact that the driver is this stunt driver in Hollywood doing these big budget films where he's flipping cars and wearing masks that make him look like the actor that should be doing all of the stunt work. So there's a really interesting contrast between the world of action cinema depicted in this film and between the action that is taking place in the world of the film. So what we have with this, the action set piece, we have him driving a car, crashing it, wrecking it. Um, It's very much of the concept, and while we don't see any uh, gunfights in this action movie within an action movie, it's very much of the concept of sleepy time bullets, where somebody dies and nobody gives a flying crap about it. Um, The fact that this man, he rolls over his car, and the hero of this the hero of this film is probably not presumably unscathed. Yeah, 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 presumably unscathed, and it's it's not a big deal. They move on. Uh, the the biggest problem, in my opinion, of the PG thirteen uh, action piece is the fact that we trivialize killing so much, and especially through the use of uh, what Dalton has termed sleepy time bullets, uh, which I think is a fantastic term. I can't take credit for that because I feel like I got it somewhere else. But yeah, no, I I like introducing that term to other people. Yeah, for sure. sure, Because it's extremely important. We need to remember the cost of taking a human life. And it makes me feel smarter when I talk about how much I like really violent action movies. I get to sound like I'm more intellectually like aware of the consequences of violence. Right. Well, but that's exactly what Drive is doing. So we have this internal uh, action piece of a movie within a movie that, you know, is very PG-13 action cinema. And then we have a very R-rated movie wrapped around it where we have violent, brutal slayings of humans, of very close encounters in elevators where a man has a hammer. We have these violent encounters that are very personal, very 
intimate. We have a man in an elevator whose head gets cracked by Ryan Gosling's boot. We get a man who gets brutalized by a hammer in a strip club. And this is all very, very, very into and the violence close, yeah the violence tight. is always like one, like up up close and personal in this yes film. like in the frame very very there even though the one sh- uh, two shooting deaths that do occur in this film the people uh, involved are what m- maybe 10 feet apart yeah at the most and when uh brian cranston pass uh, is killed by um straight razor by a straight razor that is also a very intimate act of violence yeah. And I think one extremely clever thing that Winding Refn is doing by juxtaposing the larger Hollywood machine and what is actually transpiring in his own film is showing the real costs of violence. If, if he wanted to make a big, dumb, stupid action movie, you know, Ryan Gosling going to that pawn shop, they wouldn't have had this issue with oh, a couple of the people got shot. Nobody would be mourning them. No one would be upset. It would just be like, oh, we lost a buddy, but at least the the hero is unscathed. And I think that's one of the most brilliant things about Drive is that it's a critique on Hollywood's obsession of making violence unpalatable, but then that makes it, it's more scary in that way because it, it violence should unnerve you. Violence should make you disgusted and, and, and sick to your stomach. You shouldn't be reveling in the fact that someone headshotted some guy across a building with an AK. Like the, you, you should be sad, but yet time and time again, like in your mission impossible fives and your diehards, which I, as a diehard fan, I, I I do fall into this trap of whenever you have these sleepy time bullets and the violence isn't intimate. Yeah, it's weird with Die, Die Hard's a weird except it, it gets like less violent as that franchise goes on. Yeah. It's yeah. very strange. Yeah. So I just wanted to say I wanted to discuss the juxtaposition of, you know, the action set pieces in the movie and the actual action of the movie because I think that's where you have some really brilliant commentary from Nicholin, Nicholas Wending Refn. I think you're absolutely right, Alex. Uh, well done, well said, well argued. Um, I do have a question, though, because I don't know if it's a fly on the serum or if it's just another wrinkle in the argument, but there there is a certain beauty in Refn's approach to violence, in particular, uh, the moment uh, the actress from Mad Men, her name escapes me. Christina Hendricks. Okay, thank yep. you, thank you. Um, when, when she's shot, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there, there's a certain sort of beauty in the way they go into slow motion photography mm-hmm. and the squib is coming off the side of her head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I it, it, it remains unnerving, as you say, but it also gains this real sort of balletic sense of beauty. I don't, I, and I just don't know how I feel about yeah. that. Yeah, w- Revan does that with his films, though. Like he makes it so artistic that you're like, uh, uh, is this yeah, supposed it's, it's to it's be this interesting uh, tableau uh, or painting that he's doing uh, in the scenes of violence? Even with the the head stomp, doesn't go quite into that level of slow motion. But there's these moments where it slows down Gosling's action as he's. Uh, curb stomping this guy's face into oblivion. So I, I'm I'm glad you guys both chose to talk not only about action films and westerns. Uh, I wanted to talk about the protagonist of such films. You, you kind of want to talk formally, Caleb, about uh, how this film is like a western. I wanted to talk about how Ryan Gosling's character of the driver is doing some really interesting things with the idea of of the quiet, uh, the the strong, silent type. 
And what I think Refn is doing here, or at the very least of what I think the film ends up doing, regardless of intent, I think what the film ends up doing is showing us the fact that if somebody was like a strong, silent type around you, they would be an incredibly unnerving person. Because there's so many moments in this film where he's interact, where uh, Gosling's character is uh, interacting with Carrie Mulligan's character, where my man is quiet for way too long. <laughs> like, he, he takes a... And I, I really hope this is a moment that occurred in the direction of the film uh, as Gosling was being directed by Reffin. He is taking, you know, normally in a conversation, especially if somebody's like on film, if somebody's thinking about what they're going to say, right? The language of cinema teaches us that that's about a beat. They take a beat and then they know what they're going to say. Gosling takes about four or five beats and then says one word. So it, they did this really interesting thing with wha- how we understand the language of cinema, uh, particularly the language of conversations in cinema. And they make Ryan Gosling just always doing the exact opposite of what he should be doing, which I find really interesting. Um, Gosling's character is, for want of a better way to put it, he, he definitely appears uh, to be uh, on the on the autism spectrum in some capacity. Not only in his the way he interacts with people, his avoidance of eye contact, his avoidance of eye contact, but also the way he's kind of particular about things. His home is very sparse and free of of stimulus. Uh, again, I, I, I'm not in the habit of diagnosing fictional characters, but there just seem to be little nuggets of that. Uh, and, and just the idea that, you know, somebody who would be the strong silent type in a film is, is not probably neurotypical. Uh, there's actually a, a film out right now uh, directed by Gavin O'Connor uh, called The Accountant with uh, Ben Affleck in it where uh, his character is on the spectrum. It's a part of the film is, is that his character uh, has some form of autism. Um and I, I, as I was watching The Accountant, I couldn't stop thinking, holy shit, this reminds me of Drive. Just in the way that Affleck's character carries himself. He is very quiet. He doesn't talk a lot. Because he's not really sure what to say when he does talk. And I think that's what Gosling and Reffin do so well here, is make the driver seem cool. But really, there's a good chance that he's not talking because he's such a cool guy that doesn't have to say anything. He's not talking because he's not really... Sh- sure how to express what he's feeling or how to engage with people who are telling him what they're feeling. And I think that's a really interesting way to approach this kind of character, the strong, silent drifter who's going to come into town and whoop ass and leave. So I I think that's really interesting. Now, Dustin, you're looking at me like you want to say something. You did just write down call on me, right? Yeah. Yes. Ah, he got you. (laughs) He fucking got me. (laughs) He got me. He totally got me. <laughs> Here's an idea. Get out of here right now or I'm going to kick your teeth in. See, that's I can't I can't be the strong silent type. I'm too smiley, I'm too loud. I I can't I can't talk down here. I just can't do it. Uh, unless you're looking at me right, Dustin. Mm. But, but again, again I, I I think just there's some really interesting things going on here in Drive uh and there, there's no, like, real fine, like, end point to this idea. I just think if as you watch the film, try to engage with it on that level um, where he, he is some sort of, um, you know, savant or, uh, you know, somebody who uh, has Asperger's or is on the spectrum, uh, except, you know, where his talents lie are in taking apart and rebuilding machines and wholesale ass kickery. Um and that's something to think about. That's actually basically, again, what we get in The Accountant, except also, I, I like to call it, I'm not the first one to make this joke, but I like to call it Goodwick Hunting, um, because he does a lot of math, and then he does a lot of uh, jujitsu with guns. 
Um, it's good stuff. Um, now I'm just thinking about how great the accountant was. I it was wonderful. I liked it a lot. You liked it? Yeah, I think it was oh. fun. It was it was a lot of fun. It's a, an exceptionally okay he, movie. I, I hear he's a better Batman in that movie than he is in Batman. Yes, that is a fact. He's an. It's That's an ex- hilarious. It's an exceptionally okay movie. Whereas Drive is an exceptionally great film, uh, but I think they are both tackling. I did not intend to come here today to talk about the accountant, but I think they are both doing the same similar things with the deconstruction of the action hero. The account is just doing it much more on the surface, and I think Drive is doing it a lot more in the subtext. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. And uh, so what I want to talk about today, um, I had a whole bunch of things stewing about in my brain, but I think what I'm going to move this to is uh, something of a conversation just for a brief moment uh, about the way we classify films and mm-hmm. the way films are marketed. Because we were talking about at the opening of the show how this is a sort of an art film that you could recommend. It's an art house it, action movie. Yeah, yeah. And, or an and, action and, art house film. Uh, what, are we talki- what, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about these sort of ways of recommending uh, the sort of, again, you know, audiences that are expected mm-hmm. uh, for certain kind of films? Uh, first of all, there are the lowbrow films, right? Uh, this, is, this is sort of our bread and butter here at Good Trash. These are genre picks. These are, these are your crime movies. Movies, your action movies, uh, your comedies, your superhero movies, your superhero your films. robots in disguise. Right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, they're, they're more than meets the eye. It turns out, um, and um, they also convert AC uh, or direct current into alternating current. Um, oh, it's a time travel. That, movie no, too. that's yeah. that's the film um, Maximum Overdrive. Oh my! Word. Alternating currents and direct currents and machines that are yeah. more than meets the eye. Yeah. Well, the, it's called a transformer. Um, but we <laughs> are <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I'm just I'm doing a bit. <laughs> oh shoot! Uh, so we uh, wh- wh- what are we talking about here? So those are again mass appeal, uh, sort of uh, broadest of possible audiences. These are these are films that are discussed in film studies, though, uh, because they do have a certain interest in so far as they are lowbrow. I cannot tell you how many of my colleagues are doing work in black exploitation or the other uh, various exploitation formats of the late '60s, early '70s, on into the '80s, uh, and again, sort of work with the action film and uh, those kind of things. Uh, the action film sort of does get poo-pooed from time to time as well, um, but that's usually because of their the political stance uh, tends to be a bit further right than most most scholarship, and so that's that's part of what's going on there. Then you have uh, your art house films, and your art house films are going to be straight narrative films, but they're not going to be action packed. They're not going to be necessarily causally linked narratives, and they're also going to use uh, a, a lot of tricks of visual style. Uh, overwhelmingly, when we're talking art house, we're talking international films, um, but they are, uh, and I think Drive actually is an example of an art house film in that it is elliptical, it is genre, but it is absolutely foreign in its production, and uh, it is uh, using uh, the star power of a particular actor or set of actors uh, for its marketing. But it very well could set itself uh, with purely Danish actors, Swedish actors, and it would be uh, what we would consider a pure art house uh, film. It just happens to be filmed in English. Um, then there are what we call the prestige picks. Uh, this is a subgenre. This is not highbrow in the sense that the art house film is. And really, the art house film is almost what you might call a high middle brow um, insofar as films are going, uh, the, the 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 prestige film, I, my Hulu queue is full of all these adverts for Allied, uh, right, with uh, Brad Pitt and uh, Marion Cotillard, mm-hmm. and it's it's a, it's a it's a historical epic. It's got uh, good actors. It's got it's uh, Casablanca s- with more gunfights, as yeah. far as I can tell. 
That's what it looks like, yeah. And then and these are the kind of films that typically win Oscars. Uh, what we, when we start describing what we call Oscar bait, uh, those are the films. They're middle-brow films. Yeah, they're absolutely middle-brow films. And uh, so Lincoln's and, and whatnot mm-hmm. and what have you. Then you have experimental film or avant-garde film, which are going to be uh, non-narrative. I want to stop you right yes, there. Sir. I think there is this space in between where there's like this like upper middle-brow mm-hmm. r- with your, your Tinker Tailor Soldier Spies. Uh, films that people literally can't be bothered to sit through because they are so kind of uh, methodically paced. Right. I, I, think I would argue, uh, I know Dustin actually used that description to d- describe most Terrence Malick films at one point, yeah. too. Yeah, I, I would say they're upper middle brow. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like in this weird in-between place of like somewhat thinky cinema, but not quite pure art house cinema. What you'd almost could call an American art house cinema. I, I think that would be fair. Yeah. You know, for yeah. the most part. I mean, I or think nar- or narrative art house. Yeah. And yeah. again, art house uh, again, art house films would include uh you know, strangely, uh Kurosawa films. Uh, you know, just because of their international flavor. And that's yeah, and that's where we're about to get to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, so th- that's more 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 our more typical of what we're thinking about. Experimental film, though, on the other hand, no narrative. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about it's their tone poems, right? It's about colors. Mm-hmm. It's Dan Brackage gluing uh, butterfly wings to the celluloid and uh, creating his film Mothlight. It's it's that kind of stuff where it's really playing around with the genre. Uh, the prestige pick. Well, not even the genre, but the medium of film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's actual materiality, right? Like yeah. The, the whole point is what we're doing with celluloid exactly. to make the thing, right? Um, and th- there's always this sort of phasing in and out between uh, one sort of market and another market. Sometimes they have cross-market appeals and whatnot. And, and so uh, classifying drive is really the question I'm asking right now because I do find it to be in, in sort of a phased place. Uh, again, the prestige film, one of the great sort of uh, orientations of it is uh, cinephilia and sort of cinematic self-reflexivity. I'm looking at you singing in the rain. I'm looking at you hail Caesar. And I think with the action movie set stuff, we've got that going on with Drive. We have a little bit of the art house aesthetic as tar- in terms of narrative, but we also have the lowbrow stuff, the genre stuff. And uh, that's that's why the film becomes really, really interesting. Yeah, it, it does make for a an easy, you know, foot in the door. Right. And but it, it it's it's not I don't know if we can call it really a, a gateway drug, insofar as we have to say it, it's not it's not a good measure of whether or not you're going to like those kinds of movies. It's a measure of whether or not you can hang with them in terms of the way they are structured, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I think another thing you could do is ask a person what they liked about it. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, did you like that it was uh, just a little bit more intellectual, but it was basically an action movie? Yeah. And it's like, okay, you need to see Oscar bait. Yeah. Right. Did you just like Ryan Gosling being cool and there's like really beautiful, beautiful cinematography between the the ass kickery? Then you should check out Kurosawa. Yeah, something like that. And and then if you're saying, hey, you know what? I like the idea of just color. I, I just love that there was so much color. I'm like, well, you know what? Uh, Tony Conrad or Dan Brackage might be for you. Uh, and if you're just like me, I don't know. I, I, I like that it's so pretty and there's car chases. I've got a bunch of movies to talk to you about later. We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. And and so I, th- it's, a, it's a way to frame the conversation, I think. And since we are at episode 200 here, I thought maybe that was something of an appropriate conversation uh, for us to be uh, had. Definitely. I mean, and that's something that applies to all film, not just Drive. And I think Drive's a really great one because it really does shatter. Like, it's like, where do you, where do you put this thing? Yeah, absolutely. And really, it, it's all about how you go about making recommendations, which is exactly what we're about to do right now as we move to the last part of our show where we uh, relegate this film, I think it's kind of obvious, shelf for trash, and then recommend our else's or instead. So let's go around the table. Uh, 
Caleb, shelf or trash? Elser instead. Uh, shelf. We watched my copy of the movie together, and it was great because I'd had it. I, and actually, it was in plastic wrap before you guys got there because I bought it like three years ago and never opened it because, you know, reasons. Um, so, yeah, absolutely shelf it. This movie is great, and there's a million different films you could recommend based on this film, uh, as you just mentioned. But um, if you really want to, uh, you know, hop on the Nicholas winning reference train and you've got a really strong stomach, I really do think The Neon Demon if you're going to watch his, his latest film, is is worth, most definitely worth your time watching. Again, strong stomach. Uh, the movie is is definitely up a, a couple notches in terms of like uh, some of the kind of avant-garde type stylings and just the gore factor as well. Yeah, and there is a character who does not have a strong stomach, so be uh, aware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> okay, that that is the best joke that you will only get if you've seen that movie. That's that's fantastic. Fuck yes. Um, and then uh, I Bronson, which I mentioned earlier, is another good pick. Um, I think Alex, you mentioning Hell or High Water, I hadn't considered. That's a fucking great. Uh, that's a fantastic recommendation because I think that is a one of the best westerns I've seen. And it, yeah, it's just it's great. It's super great. One of the best films to come out this year. It's got the stylings of a western, except for it breaks a lot of those rules too. Um, and if you just want to see some of the guys, you just want to see some Ryan Gosling be a beautiful, sexy man that he is, you need to go watch Crazy Stupid Love because that's one that I love and it makes me feel happy and not down about life when I watch it. Um, and then uh, I'll, let, I'll let Dalton hold on to the car films. There you go. Well, Dalton, let's go to you now. Do you have car films for us? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Shelf or trash? It's, it's, fucking, it's just shelf. Yeah, it's it's going to be one of the most talked about films uh, of, of its decade uh, once we, we get around to 2020, uh, assuming we're still making films at that point. Um, but I digress. I, I think some really interesting films to pair with it. Again, uh, the definitive car film, Bullet, um, when people talk about art house action movies, they, they frequently are talking about films like Drive, but a lot of times they're just talking about movies that are paced like a 70s movie uh, because all 70s movies are kind of wonkily paced. I love it. It has one of the definitive car chases that takes place throughout the uh, streets of San Francisco. Um, it's great. It's a, it's a magnificent film uh, and it was an influence on this next film which that I'm about to mention that influenced Drive and that is Michael Mann's directorial debut Thief uh, starring James Caan which uh, if you have if you love Drive and you've never checked out Thief you, you gotta go do that. But but Thief, in terms of the, the soundtrack and even the font on the poster, I mean, there's so much that Reppin is taking from this film and uh, does also have a good car chase. Um, it's a great film. Uh, you should definitely check it out. Um, I also wanted to recommend two uh, art house action movies uh, about women. Uh, that is Joe Wright's Hannah, starring the uh, incomparable Saoirse Ronan. There we go. I had to stop to think about it. Uh, it's also got uh, Kate Blanchett. Um, it, it's a wonderful film that uh, I love dearly. Came out, I want to say, the same year as Drive, uh, maybe the year before. Perhaps. I don't know. Uh, it's 2010, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. Uh, it's a film I love uh, that I strongly recommend. I also want to recommend Haywire, uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh, uh, starring Gina Carano, uh, the former MMA actor, uh, MMA fighter turned actress. Um, really fun movie. Basically, uh, a real life uh, ass kicker beats up a bunch of A list Hollywood actors. It's great. Um, I recommend all four of these films because if you were into Drive, you will surely be into all of these movies. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what are your... Oh, wait. Shelf for Trash? Elsewhere instead. Shelf. Yeah. <laughs> we can just skip to what are you recommending. Yeah. Um, 
I would also echo uh, Caleb's pick of Neon Demon, uh, Strong Stomach, highly recommended. I would also recommend uh, The Guest, which uh, kind of borrows a lot of the heavy, mm-hmm. heavy synth aesthetic and the kind of 80s <laughs> throwback <laughs> vibe, which <laughs> is fantastic. Um, I, I'm just really enjoying the resurgence of films kind of embracing that. And then last but not least, I've talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it again. I'm going to recommend the video game Hotline Miami, which is basically drive yeah. the video game. Yeah, um, we've talked about this. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. The colors, the the score, the premise, really. I, I mean, it's basically drive the video game. Oh, you know who you look like? Who? You that? look like Switch from The Matrix. That's who, you, who what your hair is reminding me of right now. Great. Uh, I'm going to yeah. Google that. Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> Well, that's just sad. That's just sad. Right Dustin, shelf or trash elsewhere instead. Shelf, dummy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, come on. Uh, of course, shelf. Uh, this is this is a great movie, and you absolutely should check it out. If you watch this movie and you go, okay, I like a little bit more thinking in my kind of more standard sort of Hollywood stuff, then I recommend the prestige picture. I'm just going to say that in general. So take a look at Allied. Uh, I'm going to just go to recommend a film that's coming out here pretty quick because I think it's going to be the kind of thing. It looks, it looks pretty good. It looks like the kind of thing you're going to dig on. If you're saying, hey, man, I like this sort of exploitation sort of uh, you know genre pick kind of thing, uh, then I don't know. The original Gone in 60 Seconds might be a great selection uh, for you uh, with regard to that. If you're saying, man, I need more movies about color. Uh, if that is the case, I, I'm going to recommend The Flicker by Tony Conrad if you don't have epilepsy. And uh, there's a disclaimer at the front uh, of that film uh, for that reason. And Tony Conrad has a handful of other. Um, uh, Touching uh, is another film uh, that you might want to look at uh, that's all about the use of color. You can find the videos on the YouTubes. So those are my selections. Thank you very much, dear co-hosts, as we move on and move forward. As uh, we are uh, sort of becoming aware slowly around the table, I think everybody knows now but Caleb that we have a patron pick uh for our selection film it, it was me uh Caleb knows okay okay Caleb can you know oh you already yeah yeah, yeah if yeah okay so uh the and it, it, it's a person you know uh, a little bit you're, you're you're acquainted vaguely acquainted we share the same last name I don't know how we get to know it. I don't know how that happens that's weird yeah, yeah I know they also climb from the same womb um, oh, so your brother's so making us watch something. Your, uh, my brother is making us watch uh, a little film uh, as directed by Emilio Estevez uh, called The Way. Okay. Star- starring Martin Sheen. Mm-hmm. And Emilio Estevez. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, really, I mean, I, I remember seeing the trailers for that and getting really fired up about, like, I was like, oh, I, I love Emilio Estevez, and then, then it, I never saw it. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to take a look at that. It's going to get a little Catholic up in here. I'm getting the feeling, and so that'll be uh, good times for all of us. But really what it's all about, guys, why we've been doing this for 200 bloody episodes is because we like to talk about movies. It's about the conversation. So the movies, there's so much more than just that 90 minutes and bucket of popcorn. I say this every stinking week. It is about the conversation. You keep watching. We'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandro Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.